1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So far in the book of Acts, we've seen Christ ascend to heaven after giving instructions to his apostles. At Pentecost, the promised Holy Spirit descends on the apostles and they declare the gospel so that the people surrounding them each understand despite their language barriers. Further miracles and healings performed through the apostles attest to the message of the gospel. Thousands of people hear of the grace and redemption made possible in Jesus and become followers of Christ. As the book unfolds, the church resiliently shares the gospel and there is unity in the teaching and heart of the followers of Jesus. And now, the continuation of our series through the book of Acts. Bible app, or whatever uh, resource you use for the scripture, you want to go to Acts chapter 5, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 14. If you do not uh, have a Bible with you, um, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. Empowered ministry, empowered ministry. The scripture talks about a day coming when there would be a form of godliness, but a denying of the power. Right? They'd hold to a form of godliness, but deny the power of knowing God. We're talking in Acts 5 about an empowered ministry. That's what we want, right? Real, authentic Christianity that impacts not only our lives, but the lives of our community, the lives of our families. In today's passage, we're going to look at the empowered ministry of the apostles and its impact on us today. So let's begin in verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. So these are signs and miracles being done by the apostles to show that Christ truly has risen and ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit to his church. And the apostles are empowered. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Now, in the original Greek, this could be... dare to join them, the believers, the church, or it could be them, the apostles. My understanding is that it's them, the apostles. So because of what has happened, if you were here last week, if not, you can check it out uh, by reading the beginning of Acts. And uh, you can just... Read the beginning of Acts 5, and you can get to see what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, right? Some of you know that story. They, they lied about the money they were giving to the church, saying they are giving all the money that had come from selling of property when they were really only giving part of it. 
and they were struck dead. And we said that's not indication that everybody who lies will instantly be struck dead or we would have no politicians was my joke and I, <laughs> I didn't mean to say there aren't any honest politicians, just that we'd lose quite a few of them. But that event really, really stirred a holy fear in the people and an understanding that, hey, you don't seek after godly power without seeking godly character. You get that? You don't seek after godly power without seeking after godly character. So I think they were concerned of just acting like an apostle and, and joining them and not having the relationship or the calling. Verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the, to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So something powerful is happening through the apostles, through Peter here. And to point out just a few things, point one, Empowered ministry changes lives. I'm excited to think of what God is doing and can continue to do and will do through His people. Amen? We're not just handing out get-out-of-hell-free passes or don't-go-to-hell-in-the-future passes. We're not gathering for a time of wishful thinking. Jesus is the Messiah. He has risen from the dead. If Jesus would have just said, I'm going to spiritually rise from the dead, we'd, we'd never be able to test whether that really happened. But he said he would physically rise, and there's evidence to that, and witnesses to that, and writings about that, and the whole world has been changed by that. Amen? Empowered ministry changes lives. Point two, empowered ministry understands the danger of seeking godly power without seeking godly character. That's the whole point of last week's message of Ananias and Sapphira. It is tempting to seek to use the power of God to worship something other than God. Right? It's tempting. I'm a preacher. It's, it's tempting to use the Word of God to be all about popularity, 
right? How many people can you get to hear you teach or preach? But that's not what it's about. It's about pointing to Jesus and his greatness and delighting in him. Amen? Adrian Rogers had a sermon on the David in which he said, we dare not dance as David danced before the Lord until we fear God as David feared him. This holy reverence, joyful fear of the Lord we need. Amen? Third observation. Empowered ministry believes both in the priesthood of the believer and distinction of office. What do, we, what do we mean by that? Why would I say that? Well, by priesthood of the believer, I mean this. That every person who repents and trusts in Jesus has direct access to God. Isn't that a great truth? And we've got a couple scriptures about that that we're going to show on the screen for you. Go ahead and switch the slides for me. Maybe we're not going to switch the slides for us. There it is. But you are a chosen... It's not her fault, by the way. It just sticks sometimes back there. All right? Technology, we had, it, we had an issue with it sometimes. Praise the Lord. Empowered ministry won't be stopped by a few glitches. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we have direct access to God. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to have somebody else talk to God for you. You can directly talk to God passage we also want to call to is in Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So there is this access that we see in Acts directly to God. God sends his Holy Spirit to fill his people. Praise the Lord. All right. The second thing we want to see is there's a distinction in office. This means that there are different ministry positions in the church, and not everyone is qualified or equipped for every position. Not everybody was an apostle, not everybody was the different functions. And that's important that we understand, too. And we have a passage of Scripture I'd like to uh, call your attention to there also from 1 Corinthians, where he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles the answer he expects? No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles, work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you an even 
still more excellent way. And then he's going to go on in Corinthians to talk about love in 1 Corinthians 13. These are powerful and helpful points for us to remember. And an empowered ministry of the church understands that there are distinct offices within the church, and people are equipped differently. Praise the Lord. We need each other. The hand can't save the foot. I don't need you. Let's continue to read in Acts, Acts chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Observation. Point four. Empowered ministry provokes jealousy and anger from others. Right? When the church is sitting around doing nothing, but handing out warm, fuzzy feelings, it doesn't provoke much jealousy or anger. But when the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, begins to minister in communities where it is, and lives begin to be changed, jealousy rises up, and anger, right? The Sadducees didn't like this because it pointed to the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, and they didn't believe in a resurrection. People around don't like some of the gospel message because of the power it has to change lives, right? Continue to read in Acts 5. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came, those who were with him, they called together the council, the Sanhedrin or Sanhedrin, however you like to say it, uh, Tradition held that this group was originally started, uh, they would claim, all the way back uh, in Moses' day as assistance to Moses, the 70, the 70 who assisted him in Numbers 11. The group contained both Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, and, and it also had a lot of power, as you see. There were some limitations on that power by the Roman government at this time, but they still had a lot of power. So let's continue to read. And all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So, so they could get those guys out of prison, bring them over here, but what are they going to find out? They're not in prison anymore. But when the officers came, they did not find them in prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the door. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. 
And yet, here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So in Acts 4 we saw, they've already been told to stop teaching and they, they haven't stopped teaching and they're going, we told you to knock it off, you keep teaching and you're trying to bring the blood of this man, meaning Jesus, on our heads. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed. Did you notice what Peter does? He said, stop blaming us for this guy's death. What does Peter do? He said, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Right? Remember the same group who said, may his blood be on our heads? You were there. You guys were for the death of Jesus, right? That's not a statement of anger or bitterness, I don't believe. I just think it's the truth. Will we let people intimidate us away from speaking truth? Or will we just say it as it is? But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God, had, God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Repentance, a change of mind that leads to a change of direction and life. It's possible because of what Christ has done paying for our sins sending us free and giving us forgiveness if we put our faith and trust in him. Praise the Lord. And it's not just for Israel, but he's mentioning Israel because of who he's talking to, right? He's speaking truth. He's saying, you, you guys were for killing Jesus, but there's forgiveness, there's hope, there's, there's a road to change called repentance through Christ. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were, what's the word? Enraged. Sometimes when people get enraged, it's because we've done something we shouldn't have. Sometimes, when people get enraged, it's because we did something we should have. This is the case, they've done the right thing, they're just presenting the gospel. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Judas, Now, I'm going to just say something about him. We don't know anything about this person other than what's written here. He was probably one of those who led a revolt after King Herod the Great died in 4 BC. There is a man with the same name who leads a revolt about AD 44 through 46, but that would be much after 
the writing of this. So that's not who he's talking about here. Right? This is a good point, by the way. Sometimes people will say, see, there you have, there's a big error in the scripture. There's not an error in the scripture. Right? Just because somebody with the same name, and there's lots of people with the same name, right? Led revolts in different times doesn't mean that this is the guy that they were talking about. <clears throat> Continue to read. Claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census. Now, just a note here, Josephus does write about Judas the Galilean and uh, his activity in A.D. 6. So we have outside resources that points to this exact event. Anyway, continue to read. And drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. That line, they, so they took his advice. Advice, don't kill him. But look at verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. They're still not going to leave it alone, right? So they beat them. And charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. Did you catch that word? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. I used to have a little saying on my desk that said, it is an honor to be rejected by those who will not have Christ. Concept here. If people are going to get angry and bitter at us because we're followers of Jesus. That's an honor to serve our king. Something worth rejoicing over. Now in scripture, you can have rejoicing and sorrow together, right? This temporary sorrow, we, we do grieve, but there's a deep-seated joy. But, but here in the moment, they're rejoicing. Now, now let me ask you. Doesn't this, just what we've read so far, doesn't it make you want to drink deep from the Spirit of God and have a change in your life? Doesn't it? So, so their joy isn't so temporary, so fleeting, so easy to get at that it can be destroyed by, by who wins a World Cup game. You know, I, some of you know that I, served on a coalition against uh, domestic violence. It's sad that in major cities, when football teams lose, domestic violence increases. Isn't that pathetic? That, that people, their emotions are so tied to ridiculous temporary things. Now, caution here, 
don't misunderstand me. I've been watching a lot of World Cup and really enjoying it. And I think it's, sports can be a lot of fun. Amen? So don't, don't hear something I'm not saying. But I want a joy that goes deeper than some temporary thing. I want a joy that can't be taken away because somebody cut in front of me in traffic. I want a joy deep enough just to, because some sales clerk is rude to me. It doesn't end my day. I want some kind of joy that just because somebody ridicules what I believe in, my joy isn't taken away. I want an eternal, indestructible joy connected to Jesus Christ. How about you? They left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. What I want so much for us here at Edgewood, and not only at Edgewood, with the other churches in the Seattle area, and in the United States, and around the world, is this empowered ministry to go forth. Amen? Because you know what? You guys aren't really surprised to hear this. There are some people that don't like some of the stuff we believe in. Did you, did you know that? The people who think it's fun to make fun of us. I was watching an event where Richard Dawkins was encouraging people. This was a couple years ago or a few years ago when he was in Washington, D.C. to mock religious people. And um, I, I just want to say this. I want to give you the last two points and then I, then I want us to talk a little bit about application and get back to what Richard Dawkins said that day and how we should respond. Point five. Empowered ministry cannot be stopped by persecution. Did you hear that? Did you? Say that with me. Empowered ministry cannot be stopped. Empowered ministry cannot be stopped by persecution. Can you say that? Can you believe that? You see, it's sometimes like when there's a song on the radio, I'm singing, I'm singing, and listen to some great Christian song, but the words don't hit me at all. I'm just kind of singing along with the tune. And then there's some days when I'm driving, and I hear what I'm saying, what I'm singing, the profoundness, the power and it raises a hair on the back of my neck. This point isn't just a point on a piece of paper. It's a truth empowered by the Holy Spirit. The gates of Hades cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the last point I had is empowered ministry is full of indestructible joy. Isn't that cool? So when you take all of that, I wrote an application point. Put your faith in Christ. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? Now, I'm going to ask you to do a little multitasking. We're going to have the elders come forward, but I want to tell you a story first. Can I do that? 
about indestructible joy and about how persecution can't stop the cause of Jesus Christ, about what happens when supernaturally we let down some of our defensiveness and empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak truth. You know the difference, right? Rabbi Zacharias was telling a story about a university in Malaysia. And there was a man who went around defending a more militant form of Islam and debating and making fun of Christians. And there was a Christian professor who stood up and said, why do you say what you say about Christianity? And the leader said, because Christianity doesn't work. The Christian professor said, what do you mean it doesn't work? And he said, well, your scripture says, turn the other cheek. And he said, so? And the Muslim leader slapped him as hard as he could across the face. The Christian professor said, my ears are ringing, my face was hurting, but I turned my cheek. He went to hit him again, but there was kind of a... He said, I've got another thing that shows you Christianity doesn't work. Christianity says, if a man asks you for his cloak, give him also his tunic. Give me your pants. Christian professor said, you know, in boxers on, he goes, excuse me, I'm going to do this. Took off his pants, handed them. Say that individual. The Christian professor said the next day there was a line of Muslim students apologizing for what that person had done. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. If you have your connection cards, look at those next steps of faith. Think about it. What is God calling you to do? Maybe for the first time, repent and trust in Jesus. Maybe the next step for you is to change your perspective. So as, as, the, as those boxes are coming, put your offering in, put your connection card. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe it's time to, to stop being a secret Christian and make it public to everybody through baptism. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want a greater faith, don't you? I want a joy that's indestructible. I want a joy when the enemy beats on me that can't take away the joy. Amen? You know, we're in a spiritual battle, right? We're victorious, but we're in a spiritual battle. Now, now how, many, how many people here watch the World Cup? Few. Thought it'd be more than that. 
By the way, with so many nations of birth here, the World Cup can be interesting. There's lots of people cheering for different nations. But if you watch the World Cup, you, you, this might surprise you. There's a, there's a lot of things going on that probably aren't in the rule book allowed, right? Can you imagine a soccer, a soccer player saying, well, I just can't play anymore. People are grabbing me and they're twisting on my arms and so I'm just going to quit. <laughs> what do you think you're getting yourself into? Haven't you ever watched the World Cup before? You think when there's a corner kick, it wasn't going to be a, a struggle? You might not know anything about the World Cup, but you know about life. You know it's a struggle. But we know that we are victorious. We are victorious in Christ. Amen? And we want God to build his kingdom. We want him to use us. Not because he has to, but because he... He, he wants to, so that we get the joy and he gets the glory. Will you stand with us and let's sing about building the kingdom of God because we have the ability in Christ to walk from hopelessness to life filled with hope. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very soul. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. Cause we are your church. We need your power. In us, we seek your kingdom first. We hunger and we thirst. Refuse to waste our lives for your our joy and prize. To see the captain's hearts released, the hurt, the sick, the poor.
This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening.